0: Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, brought to you by Best's Directory of
1: Recommended Insurance Attorneys.
0: Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, a broadcast about timely and important legal issues affecting the insurance industry. I'm John Zuba, editor of Best's Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Joining me is Brendan Noonan from our communications team. On January 15th of 2013, the Supreme Court of the United States decided the case of Lozman versus the city of Riviera Beach, Florida. In a seven-to-two decision, They held that a houseboat that had previously been considered a vessel under maritime law was not a vessel. Present with us today is Admiralty Attorney David Skeen of the law firm of Wright, Constable, and Skeen LLP in Baltimore, Maryland. David has been practicing admiralty law for 39 years and has been an editor with the publication American Maritime Cases for most of that period. He is a member of the Maritime Law Association of the United States and has written and lectured on various aspects of maritime law. Today he will discuss the holding of the Lozman case, the importance of definition of a vessel to the application of many maritime laws, and the possible effect of this decision on certain maritime industries. Brendan Noonan is going to lead off today with our first question. Can you explain for us the holding of the Loesman decision and how it changed existing laws of what a vessel is?
2: Yes. The winner in the Loesman case was a houseboat owner whose houseboat was seized by the city of Riviera Beach, Florida under maritime law, for failure to pay dockage fees or the application of the maritime lien law, under which it was arrested, depended on whether the houseboat was a vessel. Many previous courts had held that a houseboat was a vessel because it floated and could move across the water when towed. However, Mr. Loesman's attorneys argued that this, this houseboat did not have the characteristics of a vessel and was not intended uh, to be used as a vessel and therefore was not a vessel. The structure, the, the houseboat, was a floating house uh, in this case, with French doors on three sides, a bathroom and kitchen, no means of propulsion, no raked bow, and although it had been towed in the past, the owner intended to stay secured at the dock. Therefore, none of the traditional maritime law remedies should apply, according to Mr. Lozman's attorneys. Well, the Supreme Court agreed. A Supreme Court majority opinion was written by Justice Breyer. And he acknowledged that the previous federal cases had held that a houseboat was a vessel because it met the definition of a vessel under the U.S. Code, Article One, Section 3. There, a vessel is defined as, quote, every description of watercraft or artificial contrivance used or capable of being used as a means of transportation on water, end quote. And that's a very broad definition. And the court was trying to narrow this definition by creating a new test, namely, The new test would be quote according to the court whether a reasonable observer looking to the structure's physical characteristics and activities would consider it to be designed to any practical degree for carrying people or things on water end quote if not it was not a vessel the dissent of Justice sotomayor objected to this new test and she was arguing the old test was sufficient and the new test was very subjective and would result in unpredictable consequences for maritime industries
0: david why is it important to be a vessel under maritime law
2: well admiralty uh, and maritime law is federal law it's designed to promote maritime commerce and govern navigation on the waters of the united states admiralty law can loosely be defined as the rules governing the transportation of goods and people across the water the aim of the federal courts is to assure that the law is uniformly applied in all u.s navigable waters to promote mobility and commerce both nationally and internationally rather than subjecting vessels to a number of differing state laws in every port in which they may find themselves. Also, uh, traditionally, Admiralty Law was designed to operate quickly to assure that maritime suppliers and contractors are paid since the vessels are mobile and capable of sailing away at a moment's notice. So the definition of a vessel goes to the very heart of maritime laws. Many maritime laws only apply to people or actions that have some relationship to a vessel.
0: Uh, what are some of the maritime laws that depend on the definition of a vessel?
2: Well, of course, in the Loesman case, it was the debt collection device of a maritime lien under admiralty law, where by the dock owner in that case was given a right to seize the vessel before he proved his case. He could require the owner to post security for the alleged debt before releasing the vessel. This uh, shoot first and ask questions later device is not available in most state laws, and it's a very powerful tool to assure that maritime suppliers and contractors get paid. Many other laws, including uh, marine insurance, marine financing, marine salvage law, coverage of personal injury claims of seamen and longshoremen, depend on whether the object being insured, or built, or repaired, or saved by the Salvor, or upon which one of these individuals is injured is a vessel for example the ship owners uh, limitation of liability act is a very unique and valuable defense to a vessel owner and its insurer facing a casualty personal injury or death claim and it depends totally on the definition of a vessel for example the limitation of liability proceeding if it's effective can permit the owner and its insurer to limit their liability to the value of the vessel after the loss, as long as the insured does not personally cause the loss. Uh, Of course, the application of federal uh, maritime safety regulations by the Coast Guard depend on vessel status as well.
0: Uh, David, in your view, how will uh, Lozman affect maritime industries?
2: Well, the Senate of Justice Sotomayor argued that the subjectivity of the new test that is, whether a reasonable observer would consider the structure designed to any practical degree to carry people and things across the water, is really a matter of opinion. So, for example, in the Loesman case, if the same dock owner had been asked to accommodate another houseboat, which may have a raked bow or an auxiliary engine, he would have to figure out whether a reasonable observer would consider it a vessel uh, looking at several factors including its history of activities to determine whether he could exercise a maritime land as he did on Mr. Loesman and collect dockage fees as may due. Uh, another example is the offshore oil industry. This case raises questions about which offshore drilling rigs qualify as vessels. Some are anchored to the bottom but capable of moving and are frequently moved in transport equipment and workers when they do. These would be vessels, possibly. Other offshore rigs may not be vessels because they only move once a decade and at a cost of millions of dollars. And whether they are a vessel or not has real consequences, particularly for maritime workers. The uh, workers assigned to a drilling rig that is a vessel are considered Jones Act seamen, are entitled to liberal maritime remedies under the Jones Act and maintenance and cure, and are not subject to state compensation laws and state laws, some of which allow the contributory negligence defense. The Jones Act is a comparative fault. It should be noted that many people don't realize that the deepwater horizon, which was the structure in the BP oil spill, was a vessel and subject to admiralty law. Also, marine lenders also uh, can only take a preferred ship mortgage on a vessel. And this uh, federal mortgage, as distinct from state uh, security uh, instruments, gives it a super priority under maritime law over other maritime creditors. So, again, it's important that what is being secured, the security for the loan, is a vessel or not. And things like floating dry docks have been held not to be vessels under the Loesman case.
0: Uh, David, what sorts of characteristics will the courts look at to determine infrastructure as a vessel?
2: Well, the closed cases, the borderline cases, such as the houseboat, might be dredges, uh, casino boats, um, which were river boats that no longer navigate but are permanently moored to the pier. Actually, in the casino boat case, there's been a lot of litigation before the Lozman case um, of croupiers and entertaining people claiming members of the crew and Jones Act status. Uh, other examples, like floating hotels and restaurants, floating dry docks, spud barges, even mothball vessels, you would have to look at the characteristics uh, set forth in the Lozman case. For example, does it have a crew, lifeboats, navigation lights, ballast tanks, a rake bow, a cargo spaces, motive power? and a rudder. It may be a combination of all or none of these. You also need to look at the history of its use for transportation, and the only thing that's clear at this point is that the broad definition that anything that floats and may be a vessel is no longer holds.
0: David, do you have any final comments on the Loesman case in maritime law?
2: Yes. The Loesman case is really only the latest of a number of Supreme Court cases, which tried to define the reach of the federal system of laws known as maritime law so as best to promote maritime commerce and navigation. Over the years, for example, there was, uh, was a debate as to whether recreational boating was subject to federal maritime laws because it did not really directly affect commerce. But the court held by necessity recreational boating was subject to maritime law since recreational vessels uh, shared the waters with commercial vessels and were subject to the same rules of the road. So collisions or other casualties, whether or not involving commercial vessels, potentially could affect maritime commerce. So as long as uh, maritime industries continue to grow and evolve through new technologies and uses of navigable waters, I think the courts will continue to attempt to define the limits of admiralty law, as they have done In the Lozman case.
0: David, thanks very much for joining us today. That was David Skeen from the law firm of Wright Constable & Skeen LLP in Baltimore, Maryland. Special thanks to Brendan Noonan from our communications team and to our producer, Brian Cohen. And thank you all for joining us for the Insurance Law Podcast. To subscribe to this audio program, visit podcast.insuranceattorneysearch.com or go to online directories such as iTunes or Google or Yahoo's podcast directory. If you have any suggestions for a future topic regarding an insurance law case or issue, please email us at lawpodcast.ambest.com. At I'm John Zuba, joined by Brendan Noonan, and now this message.